You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. I'm Stuart Atkinson. Alongside me, Landon Moore. Landon, how are you? Doing all right for a Monday, uh, getting back to another week and a lot to talk about for sports. A uh, very successful weekend for Wisconsin sports, which is great to see. So we'll get right into it and uh, can't wait to get started. Yeah, we don't have too much time to waste. It is a jam-packed show. I'll give you a quick overview. We're going to talk a little bit about Oshkosh football, Oshkosh basketball, men and women's. And then we will dive in. Um, we have about six minutes of herd audio we gathered from the season opener on Friday night. Then we'll dive into the Packer game, and then we will talk Badger football and Badger basketball, and then end the show with some Bucks talk, and then Landon and Stu's head-to-head picks, as always. So let's just get right into it, Landon. Uh, this past Saturday, UW Oshkosh defeated UW River Falls 41-20. to That improves Oshkosh's record to 7-2 and overall. Five and one in conference play now, and that drops River Falls to one and eight overall and zero and six in conference. Kobe Berghammer and Peter McCudden both rushed for a pair of touchdowns to lead UW Oshkosh football team to their victory on Saturday. The Titans scored on their second play from scrimmage, uh, recorded an interception on the Falcons' opening snap of the game, and had a fourteen nothing lead midway through the first quarter. They were also up twenty to ten at halftime. Uh, what were your overall thoughts um, from this big win from Oshkosh the week before uh, the Whitewater game? Yeah, they ultimately took care of business in a game that they knew that they had to win in order to keep up with Whitewater. And they certainly, uh, like I said, took care of business at home where they've been so successful. Uh, River Falls coming into the game last in the conference. So right there, that tells you that's a game you got to win in order to, again, keep up with Whitewater. Uh, offensively a great day, putting up 41 points, uh, Kobe Berghammer solid through the air. He did throw a couple interceptions, but he also ran for two touchdowns, which was great. Uh, they got the running game going early and it held throughout Peter McCudden. Like you said, had a good day with a couple touchdowns, uh, receivers also coming in big Riley Callis, 67 receiving yards. Uh, so offensively, they were good defensively as well. Um, you know, just holding that river falls offense, uh, to uh, minimal um, production all day long. So they did what they needed to do, and now they have a big showdown coming up Saturday night against uh, Whitewater, which should be a very uh, exciting contest. And speaking of that Whitewater contest, uh, Whitewater, um, they're nationally ranked. Uh, they're in the top. They're ranked third. Uh, they were fourth last week. So they're third in the country uh, in the country in Division Three. And they have 11 WIAC championships in the last 14 years. And the other three have gone to the Oshkosh Titans. So big game coming up uh, this Saturday. It will be home. It will be at J.J. Keller Field. The winner will win the WIAC. Well, it'll be a share because they'll both have identical WIAC records. So at least a share, but still. It, It will be a share, but the winner will have the win against the head-to-head matchup. So it will technically be a share, but it's, I mean, if you share and you beat them head-to-head, I mean, are you going to say you won conference? I mean, both teams get to say they won conference because that's how college sports work. When there's a tie, you know, they both, they both won conference. But, you know, this game is for conference, um, whether it's going to be a tie or uh, what have you. But so big game, uh, six o'clock, Kickoff. I will be on the call for that one. Anna Van Hander, uh, Van Handel will be color for that game. Uh, but we are going to move on to UW Oshkosh men's basketball. 
They won the national championship last year, as many of you know. Uh, season opener this past uh, weekend on Saturday against Augustana. They defeated them 74-67. to So Oshkosh 1-0 on the year now. Senior preseason All-Americans Jack Flynn and Adam Fravert. Uh, balanced scoring for the Oshkosh. They both uh, dropped in 14 points apiece uh, for the Titans in that victory. Uh, Oshkosh is ranked second in the nation. Defending champs, but ranked second. Um, you know They did lose a couple key pieces last year, but nationally ranked second. Uh, they did not trail um, after scoring 13 unanswered to get to a 13-6 lead early in that game. Uh, what were your overall thoughts on uh, the season opener? Obviously, coming off a national championship, sometimes that season opener, you know, a lot of adrenaline pumping. You got some new faces. Uh, how did you think the Titans did? Yeah, huge win. I mean, going on the road uh, against another nationally ranked opponent like Augustana, uh, probably a very tough environment to play in and uh, being able to come out of there with a win, even though it was close, uh, a huge uh, way to start the season for the Titan men. Again, coming off of that national championship. Great to see uh, Adam Fravert and Jack Flynn, two of the key pieces from last year's team, uh, having great games, uh, respectively 14 points apiece. And uh, it's a great setup for the Titans of what should be another very successful year. And hopefully they can make another run uh, at another national championship. So Flynn on the night, four or five from the field. He is a All-American uh, first team selection. And then Fravert, a preseason All-American selection as well, uh, grabbed 11 rebounds and also had a couple blocks uh, to get to his 15th career double-double in his career at Oshkosh. So now we move on to the women's side of basketball as their season opener is tonight. It is at home. It is at the Call Sports Center. Uh, Landon, you and myself will be on the call tonight. So once this show's over at six, just keep it on. Because um, at seven o'clock, we got we got tip off um, at the Call Sports Center. So that's going to be a big game tonight. They're playing St. Mary's University uh, out of Minnesota. Uh, how excited are you for the game tonight, Landon? Very excited. I mean, anytime you uh, have a home opener and with high expectations like the tight women have, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, even though they didn't finish th- uh, the way they wanted to, losing in the Sweet 16, they still won the WYAC tournament outright and in the tournament, which was awesome, uh, advancing to that Sweet 16. Uh, they did lose a couple key seniors. Chloe Pustina comes to mind, but they still have a lot of great returning uh, uh, players to help them out. And uh, it should be a great game. It should be a great season overall. Can't wait to get it started tonight. We invite you to tune in here to WRST. Yeah, like you said, um, won the regular season conference last year, won the conference tournament, got to this, uh, made all the way to the Sweet 16. Unfortunately, Olivia Campbell was unable to play in that Sweet, uh, sweet 16 game due to injury. Uh, so a lot of expectations this season. Uh, can't wait to get that started. So with that, we are going to take a quick break here. And after the break, we got about six minutes of audio uh, from the Wisconsin Herd coach and players after their uh, season opener on Friday night. So you're not going to want to miss that. You're listening to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Coach Buford gives his thoughts on how to improve for the next game. Uh, getting some rest. We'll watch the film. Uh, I think there was some positives to take, obviously giving up. 107 points or whatever the last three quarters and that fourth quarter defensively was atrocious. But we'll look at it. We'll clean it up. Hopefully we can get the guys ready to go tomorrow. 
Buford's thoughts on cleaning up the turnovers. I think just playing together a little bit more. I thought when the going got tough, we tried to do it on our own a little too much and led to some forced possessions and forced turnovers. When they scored 31 off our turnovers, and there's probably a big difference in the game. But uh, just playing together, moving the ball, making the easy play, will take care of a lot of that. Coach Buford's thoughts on his team's aggressiveness. I thought we hesitated, honestly, too much. I thought we could have let some shots fly, but we passed down, and then they closed to us. They credit them. They did a nice job closing out to us, but uh, I thought we could have let some fly. And then when they do close out hard, instead of hesitating or jabbing, just go straight to the rim, drive it, drive it, drive it. Um, and we weren't very good at that tonight. Coach Buford's thoughts on the play of DJ Hogue. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you expect him to play quite so good, but I, I know DJ well. We traded for him partly because of how good of a player I think he is and can be. So not not really surprised at all. Uh, I was really more pleased with rather than the shots, the way he just you know made some plays. He had five assists, seven rebounds, was active, looked to make the right play. So I was pleased with the way DJ played defensively. Obviously, we can all be a lot better, him included. So. Coach Hogue explains if he believes his team got tired towards the end of the game after their push in the third quarter to get back in the game. Maybe. Again, I, I got to go back and watch it. But I thought, uh, you know, missed free throws while we were coming back. I couldn't believe we ended up tying it with all the missed free throws. And then as soon as we did, they scored seven and we kind of let go of the rope, so to speak. Uh, I don't want to say we quit down the stretch, but I think we could be better competing through the end of the game. Coach Buford's thoughts on Dragden Bender. Yeah, I thought Dragon was good. Um, like I said, all of us could be better defensively. We'll watch some with him, but uh, just keep being aggressive. Like I thought he got some tough foul calls early, missed some shots, but he kept playing, kept being aggressive, and uh, did some good things on the stretch. But um, I thought overall he's pretty good. Mason's thoughts on how to clean the game up a little bit and get a win in Game 2. Right, I think just executing off his end, rebounding, doing a better job in transitioning. Obviously, you know, getting as many possessions as we can in the start for me, you know, I did a bad job of turning the ball over. Mason's thoughts on his responsibility to be a leader due to his NBA experience. Yeah, for sure. And, and just being the point guard, it doesn't even matter that, you know, I play in the NBA. You know, now I'm here with the herd and I got to do a better job of protecting the ball and making sure we get a shot every possession. Hogue's thoughts on when he found out he was traded to the Wisconsin Herd. I heard about Coach Buford. Uh, I was excited for him, happy for him. And then I heard that they were going to be acquiring my rights. So it was just more. So me and him, were uh, we got along last year. So he's definitely one of my favorite coaches on the staff. So happy to be here. Bender's thoughts on what the team needs to improve on from game one. You know, I feel like it's just a little things, you know, the thing that we had a lot of um, turnovers in the first half that cost us a lot of um, easy points for them. Um, you know, second half, I think we brought a lot of energy at some point, but, you know, like I said, little things that are going to help us close the game. Um, I think we, for the most part, you know, did a good job. They hit some big shots, but, um, you know, it all comes down to those, um, you know, little things at the end of the game and just being focused, you know, throughout the, throughout the 48 minutes and trying to finish the game strong. Bender shares why he decided to sign with the Milwaukee Bucks organization as a free agent. Uh, it's a great organization. Uh, it's a great place to be. Uh, you know, when I had a talk with them, uh, I was, you know, I was really excited about coming here. Um, you know, luckily, you know, we got it done. You know, and and, and I came here and in a great situation. And um, you know, since the since the well, two and a half months I've been here. I've been loving it, you know, kind of really excited about the season, excited about everything that's been going on with, uh, with the Bucks, and, um, you know, overall, just a great experience for me. 
Bender explains his mentality when he's playing for the herd instead of the Bucks. It's a process, you know. Um, coming in here, talking with them over the summer, that was a whole process for me. Uh, it was just, you know, trusting in them and believing in, 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 the, in the purpose what they have for me. Um, you know, for me, it's really good to be here at this point since I'm not, you know, dressing up for the, for the main team. So it's really good opportunity for me to get up and down and just work on the same, same things that I'll be working uh, 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 with the Bucks. You know, and just getting myself ready to, to play. Bender explains what it's like to watch his former team, the Phoenix Suns, have so much success early in this 2019 NBA season. It's fun, man. Uh, you know, that team, that, that city deserves a really good team. They deserve really good basketball. They're really loving the basketball there, so I'm really happy for them. Uh, hopefully they can you know, keep it up throughout the whole season and make something happen uh, and turn it around. Um, I think they have a really good guys this year, you know, really good uh, leaders and, and Rubio and Baines and, you know, some older guys. And, uh, you know, I feel like Monty is doing a great job with the young guys. Ender explains how he maintains his confidence after a slow shooting night. Um, you know that's uh, that's the whole um, that's the whole system that the Bucks have. You know, just let it fly, no matter what what the outcome is. Uh, if you're you know open, you have to take this shot. Otherwise, you're going to the bench. So it's just you know staying in the mindset, staying staying to to the whole process, and just you know believing in yourself, believing in your team that you're going to find you know right place, and just let it let it go fly. Bender gives his thoughts on what it's like to play with MVP Giannis. How lucky he is, you know, each and every day, you know, how he comes in, uh, you know, act professionally and just do his work, do, you know, do everything about him. It's just, you know, on a higher level than I have ever seen, you know, stars in this league do. Uh, and that makes him, you know, MVP. Uh, but in the same side, you know, he's he's a humble guy, you know, probably the most humble, you know, NBA player I met. And he was MVP last year, so that says a lot. And, uh, you know, he's definitely setting his example on the court and off the court for everybody. to the sports page here on 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. I'm Stuart Atkinson alongside me, Landon Moore. So you just heard some nice audio there from a few players um, and Coach Buford of the Wisconsin Herd um, from their season opener on Friday night. They um, did lose that game, but they did bounce back and beat the Windy, uh, Windy City Bulls um, Saturday in Chicago uh, to move their record to one and one on the year. So we are going to move on to the Packers now, and they played that late game of the week on Fox yesterday against the Carolina Panthers landing. And it was kind of a ugly game with the snow and uh, not great execution, but they came away with the victory 24, uh, 16. They're going into the bye eight and two just uh, before we dive into too many details. Just what are your thoughts on uh, that game yesterday? Yeah, like you said, it wasn't the prettiest of games, uh, but they got the job done. They did it uh, what they needed to do, uh, especially after an ugly loss against the Chargers the previous week. Um, you know, good to see them going into their bye week on a high note, uh, going in with a win, and uh, really sitting pretty at eight and two after ten games and uh, a couple tough opponents coming up after the bye. San Francisco and Minnesota come to mind, but they do have easier opponents. They play both the Redskins and Giants. They also have the Bears. Uh, so things are looking good for Green Bay. They just got to continue to uh, work on some things, get healthy, and and hopefully uh, the next six games can go their way. Yeah, so Rodgers uh, yesterday, 17-29, 233 yards. Uh, Jones, 13 carries for 93 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, so Jones uh, back on top leading the NFL in touchdowns. 
Jamal Williams also had 63 yards um, on the ground with 13 carries, and then uh, Rodgers won for seven yards. Uh, Adams, big game. Nice to have um, Adams have a big game again. No touchdowns for him, but he did have seven catches and 118 uh, yards. Jimmy Graham, two catches for 59 yards, and then uh, Lazard with three for 27 as well. Defense, I don't know what to make of the defense, Landon. Defense, uh, the defense did not look great yesterday, but they only gave up 16 points. It was that Ben but don't break mentality, and the Panthers, they moved the ball all over the Packers. But uh, Kyle Allen with um, an interception uh, and a couple turnovers just really, really helped a turnover on downs, just really helped the Packers' defense because Panthers were moving the ball. Kyle Allen, 28 of 43, 307 yards. McCaffrey had 108 yards on the ground. Uh, DJ Moore went for 120 yards um, through the air, nine catches. And then Greg Olson, the tight end, who's you know seems like he's never going to retire, uh, still uh, putting great product on the field. He had eight catches for almost 100 yards as well. Um, so the defense didn't really stop them from moving up the field, but they had the interception in the end zone. Uh, was it A- uh, Amos kind of? Deflected slash dropped interception, and then was it King or uh, Alexander? I think Williams had the oh, yeah. interception. Tremont Williams had yep. the interception there. So, I mean, they came up with the plays when they needed them. Uh, Preston Smith had a big sack, uh, but I'm a little nervous for like when they play the 49ers, especially because you know they're they're the team you know this year in the NFC. Like that's probably going to be going toe to toe with the Packers at some point in the playoffs. Can the Packers' defense step up um, in that big game? Well, I don't know if they can, but they, they certainly stepped up last night. They did, but they, you know, they gave up a lot of yards. Uh, they got lucky. They they got lucky on multiple occasions, and that's like you definitely mentioned, one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and uh, another uh, statistic I think we should mention: Carolina did not punt at all in the game. So you think about that. There you, know, you go. Moving the ball up go. and down the field, but when they got into the red zone, you know, like you mentioned, the interception there, uh, they got really lucky in the first half when Kyle Allen uh, muffed the snap, and it was, I think, 10-7 at that point. Carolina had the lead. They were looking to score again, and luckily he muffed the snap. Packers went down the field, got a touchdown from Aaron Jones to take that 14-10 to lead. So uh, it is concerning that opposing offenses are moving the ball, it seems like, seamlessly against this defense, and luckily the Packers are either – uh, you know, getting to the quarterback with sacks in order to, you know, get big third down stops. We're seeing Mike Pettin draw up blitzes on third down, which has been really successful with the Smith brothers getting into the quarterback area. Um, but luckily they've been able to create turnovers and get these third down stops in the red zone. Otherwise they would just be uh, being steamrolled consistently. And Carolina should have had more than 16 points yesterday. Uh, but the Packers uh, you know, they were bending quite a bit, but they did not break. But yeah, it is concerning moving forward, especially like you mentioned with the San Francisco team that looks unstoppable at this point, especially in the offensive end. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doing great with that offense. Uh, they're going to have to uh, get more stops than what they have been and force uh, the opposing teams to punt uh, because otherwise, I don't know if the offense can keep up. Even with Aaron Rodgers and all of these weapons, you know, you don't want this to get into a track meet where you're constantly having to score 30, 40 points in order to win because that looks like the Packers of old, the 2011 Packers, where 
it seemed like Rodgers had to time and time again had to lead them to victory because the defense wasn't going to step up. So you don't want to get into that area. Uh, hopefully Mike Pettin can make some adjustments during this bye week, maybe try to uh, fix some things and, and get the Packers defense back on track. But thankfully they are able to create those turnovers and get those sacks when they need to. And they were able to get those turnovers, like you said, when they needed to yesterday. Uh, but before that, the last three games, um, or the first three games of the season, I think they had uh, seven or eight turnovers. And then their last uh, five games, they only had like four turnovers. So they weren't really creating turnovers much lately either. And when they're giving up that many yards, you need to come up with those big turnovers. And they were able to do that yesterday, and that was a big part. Um, actually, it was the reason why they only gave up 16 points. Because like you said, Carolina never even punted. Um, but it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, any win in the NFL is a good win. It's hard to win games. You're at the bye 8-2. and two. Packers are It's looking good. Uh, but I still have a little bit of concern on that defense, but we're going to find out some answers because they're going to be playing the best team in the NFC uh, record-wise uh, coming off that bye against the 49ers. And they're going to be, like like I just said, they're going to be coming off a bye. So, like, you get two weeks to prepare for these guys. So the Packers should be, they should be ready for this matchup. It's going to be a good game. But then they have, um, so they're at San Fran after the bye. At the, let's just play a game real quick. So the Packers are 8-2. and two. Let's just, Kind of guess what their record's going to be. So eight and two. Let's just say they lose to the 49ers. So now they're eight and three. They should beat the Giants. So they're going to be nine and three. They'll beat the Redskins. Now they're ten and three at home against the Bears. Unless Trubisky all of a sudden becomes good, which I don't think he will. Now they're eleven and three. And now you got at Minnesota, and then at Detroit. Those are two tough games, but you already got 11 wins at that. So let's say they can come away with one of those. Now they're at 12 wins. 12 wins, get, does that get you a two seed? I don't, NFC is tough. It is tough. Because um, the, the Packers' goal has to be, we all know they're going to make the playoffs. Um, we don't know if they're going to win the division yet because the Vikings keep winning too. They're only one game behind. So uh, that game at Minnesota could be huge for who wins the NFC North. But, I mean, we pretty much know the Packers are going to make the playoffs unless something, you know, all-time stuff happens. So we know they're going to make the playoffs. Right now it's about trying to get home field advantage and getting a bye. Right, and I think when you look at the big picture, there's five teams that stand out to me that have a shot at a first-round bye. You have the uh, 49ers and the Seahawks in the West, Packers and Vikings in the North, and the Saints. I don't think there's any other team that really has a legitimate shot at a first-round bye at this point. Nobody from the NFC East. Um, I think whoever wins that division will probably be the four seed. Um, but I think especially it helps yesterday with the Saints losing. That was a huge, uh, you know, victory uh, in itself for Green Bay, just being able to move up to the number two seed after the Saints lost. But I think if the Packers beat San Francisco, that'll be huge. If they beat Minnesota, that will also be huge. And uh, I think in that case, you do uh, have a legitimate shot at a first round bye. I don't know if it'll be a one seed, but a two seed is pretty likely in that case. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that New Orleans loss. That was huge for Packer fans and the Packers yesterday. I mean, absolutely huge for them to lose that game at home against the Falcons. Um, Packers, you know, hopefully they can capitalize on that. But it, I mean, they kind of, I mean, from the national media, it was, you know, everyone was going to pretty much have been saying the bye is going to be for the 49ers and the Saints. And then, you know, they're going to have home field advantage 
and it's going to be tough. But, you know, Saints slip up a little bit. Maybe cross our fingers. Seattle can get a win tonight uh, against the 49ers. That would be huge. Uh, but it's it's going to be a battle trying to get that by because if the Packers, they could win 12 games and be a three seed and not even have a bye. I mean, that that would be brutal. Right, so I that's mean, why if you win these head-to-head matchups against San Francisco and Minnesota, that'll be huge because when it comes to a tiebreaker scenario, you automatically win those tiebreakers, and that gives you an advantage. So if they're able to win both of those games, I think it looks really good for that first-round bye. Well, let's let's do this. So they have eight wins. They're going to now obviously got to play the games, and we just saw the Falcons beat the Saints yesterday. So I'm not saying these are gimme wins. I'm just saying, hypothetically, let's just chalk these up as wins. They, they're going to beat the Giants. That's nine. They'll beat the Redskins. That's 10. They'll beat the Bears. That's 11. That's 11 wins. And then you have at San Fran, at Minnesota, and at Detroit. And I'm not going to include the Lions in the guaranteed win because Detroit has been playing Green Bay very well the last four years. And if Stafford's back, which I'm sure he will be, um, that's a tough game. I mean, that that is not a gimme win. Whatsoever. So let's say they win one of those three games. That puts them at 12 wins, sitting pretty. But if that wins against Detroit and they lose to the 49ers and Vikings, I mean, you may be seeing the Packers playing the first round. Um, yeah, very likely. Well, yeah, and like we talked about, I think it's huge if they win. You know, they don't have to win both of those games against the Niners and Vikings, but if they can pull out at least one victory. Preferably against Minnesota. Right. Just to lock up. Well, we don't know what's going to happen leading up to that game, but the, for the division's sake, obviously the 49ers is who you're going to be competing with competing with for you know a buy and home field advantage. But as long as the Packers can get that two seed, I feel comfortable with Green Bay, let's say, NFC championship game going into San Francisco. Yeah, I, I do mean, too. Aaron Rodgers is from California. It'll be good weather. It's California. You know, the Packers can play in bad weather. Obviously, they just played in a blizzard yesterday in November. Um, they're, you know, that's part of their home field advantage is, you know, playing used to that cold. But the Packers, they'll be ready to play in California. It'll be good weather for them. Like I said, Rogers, uh, Southern California guy. Um, the, I mean, the fan, the fan base for the 49ers is phenomenal. But it's not a place you necessarily think about being super loud that you can't, you know, hear yourself think and audible out of place. Um, but just some food for thought with that. Um, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll dive into some more football, this time at the collegiate level with the Badgers and then some Badger basketball as well. You're listening to the Sports Page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. Welcome back to the Sports Page. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. Stu and Landon here in the house. We're holding down the fort. And when this wraps up, reminder, don't leave anywhere. You're going to get some great music from 6 to 7 with the shuffle. And then 7 o'clock, we got tip-off women's basketball home and and season opener. Uh, But before we get to all that, we are going to dive into some Badger Football and Badger basketball. So Saturday, Badger football team came away with a tough home victory against the Iowa Hawkeyes, 24-22. to Wisconsin, or Jack Cohn for Wisconsin, 16-25, 173 yards, a couple touchdowns and an interception, and then a monster day by Jonathan Taylor, 250 yards on the ground, but no 
uh, rushing touchdowns um, for him, or you know, no touchdowns. Period. Uh, but all the all that matters is they came away with the victory. Absolutely, and a great way to respond after two disappointing losses the previous week. Uh, definitely looked like Coach Chris used that bye week to get his team uh, back in the right direction, and they certainly went back to Wisconsin football traditionally, like we've known it to be for so many years. Uh, establishing the ground game with Jonathan Taylor, like you mentioned, 250 yards, a very outstanding day from him. Uh, Jack Cohn seemed to play a lot better, uh, really making good decisions, finding his receivers, uh, specifically Danny Davis, who had a, a great day, couple touchdowns for him. Quintus Cephas also with 94 receiving yards and a touchdown. So it was great to see those receivers getting some action. Uh, defensively gave up 22 points, which is a little uncharacteristic for the Badgers like we've known them to be this year, but they still were able to get this critical stops when they needed to. And uh, in terms of the overall picture, the Badgers are certainly not out of it as far as the Big Ten West. We just got to have Minnesota lose at least one more game and then the Badgers to beat the Gophers on that final game of the regular season. Um, But yeah, I mean, if you're a Badger fan, you certainly have to be pleased with how the way uh, the team responded after uh, two disappointing losses, like I mentioned, against Illinois and Ohio State. Yeah, so a big win for Bucky. And like you said, they're not out of it yet, but they are going to need some help. They need the Gophers to lose a game and then also beat them. Uh, but that game at Minnesota, I don't think anyone ever thought that was a gimme game. Um, it's a rivalry game. It's for the axe. Everyone knows you know, how much intensity and um, just adrenaline goes through through your body for those rivalry games. And it's at Minnesota, so that makes it, even tougher but that being said a month ago you know we saw the Badgers top 10 Minnesota unranked yeah they were undefeated but they hadn't played anybody yet and now Wisconsin loses to Illinois they lost to Ohio State but Ohio State appears to be the best team in the country but I don't I still I'm gonna say they're the best team but LSU looked great on Saturday but they lose to a respectable team in Ohio State but Minnesota they haven't lost yet and they just beat number four Penn State, um, that's going to be a tough game at Minnesota. Regardless of what Wisconsin does leading up to that game, uh, that would be a huge win if they can win that game. It really will be, and obviously it, a lot has to happen yet before you know that game and in terms of what both teams do, but uh, that could be one of the largest uh, Minnesota-Wisconsin games ever, You know, going back to the storied history of the, of the rivalry with a lot on the line. Certainly the winner of that game could advance to the Big Ten Championship, the loser out of it. Um, so I, I think if you're Wisconsin, you just got to focus on taking care of business against two beatable opponents in Nebraska and Purdue. Uh, I think Wisconsin will be able to win both of those games and then to hopefully play their best football against the Gophers on that final Saturday of the regular season. So with that, we're going to transition into some Badger basketball now. They're 1-1 one one on the year. They lost the opener on the neutral court to St. Mary's in overtime. Then they bounce back and win at home against Eastern Illinois, 65-52. to That's going to be an interesting year for the Badgers. Um, I really don't know what to think or predict for this team. St. Mary's was a top 25 team. They played with them. It appeared they, I wouldn't say should have won that game, but they had a few opportunities late to win it. Uh, St. Mary's played great. Not going to take anything away from them. The Badgers were down 10. Um, but, you know, they fought back, and they had an opportunity to win in regulation. Um, they missed a couple free throws down the stretch. 
Um, so that, that's a respectable loss, but one that could come back to bite them because it appears the Badgers will probably be a borderline tournament team this year, probably somewhere around the bubble. I don't know if it's going to be closer to in versus out, but I think I'm I think it's fair to say they're going to be somewhere around the bubble of making the NCAA tournament. So it would have been a big uh, resume win for them. But East Eastern Illinois, you know, no win is a bad win, but you would think they would win by a little more than 13 at home against Eastern Illinois, only outscoring it by six points in the second half. I'm a little concerned where the scoring is going to consistently come from. The defense should be there, um, but I don't uh, Kobe Kings looked good so far. He had a nice game against St. Mary's, and then he uh, had 18 points in this game as well with six rebounds. Reavers looked great against St. Mary's, and then he had a double-double uh, Friday night against Eastern Illinois, 14-14. and 14. But going up against Big Ten uh, opponents and their defense, I don't know where the offense is going to come consistently this year. Right, and obviously the big question coming into this year is how are they going to replace the monster numbers that Ethan Hat put up? And I think it's going to have to fall on everybody, but specifically Nate Reavers. I think that's going to be the guy that uh, the Badgers are going to want to, uh, you know, really take control of that offense, especially down low where Ethan Happ was so dominant. Um, but not only him, but I think other guys such as Brad Davidson and uh, Kobe King, like you mentioned, uh, Aleem Ford is another guy that uh, I really hope can step up for this team and, uh, you know, be able to have success on offense to replace what Ethan Happ did. Uh, during his time as a Badger, but uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, they I think they'll be competitive in almost every game they play in, uh, even in the Big Ten against uh, teams like Michigan State, Ohio State, who are going to be very good and very tough to beat. Um, but if if you're the Badger, you just just gotta you know stick to what you you've done for so many years, play good on the defensive end, and hold teams to uh, as few points as you can, and just hopefully get production on the offensive end. I think uh, you can expect a lot of these games. To be close, they're not. They're not built to blow anybody out. They're not built to get blown out because of their defense. They're going to lose some games they should win this year, and they're probably going to win some games they shouldn't win this year. Uh, that is my expectations for them. If they can finish, I think in the top six in the Big Ten this year, I think that would be a successful season. Um, they're kind. I want to say rebuild, but they're kind of in like a one-year transition period. You lose Hap. You didn't have. You know, um, you have your uh, big player ineligible because the transfer portal and NCAA, they don't know what they're doing. I'll come out and say it. No one knows what they're thinking. Um, And then they have a nice recruiting class coming in next year. Um, So this year um, may be closer um, to the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. But if they can uh, get in the top six, I think that would be a successful season. We are going to take another quick break, and then we're going to wrap up the show uh, with some bucks. We have some unfortunate breaking news to share with you and then as always uh landon and Stu head-to-head picks you're listening to the sports page here on 90.3 wrst fm oshkosh welcome back to the sports page here on 90.3 wrst fm oshkosh we have approximately eight nine minutes left of this program and we are going to use those minutes to talk some Milwaukee Bucks basketball and give out our head-to-head picks as always. But before I do that, I'll, I'll let you share this devastating news for the Milwaukee Bucks, Landon. Yeah, so Chris Middleton, uh, during the second half of last night's game against the Thunder, 
uh, was knocked out of the game with an apparent knee slash thigh injury. Uh, it wasn't deemed to be really serious at the time. Uh, he was ruled out for the rest of the game. However, ESPN is reporting tonight that uh, Middleton is expected to be out three weeks with this injury. So uh, a little bit more serious than I think what the Bucks uh, thought it was originally. And uh, thankfully, though, not as serious as it maybe could be. So Middleton will be out three weeks. Uh, hopefully the box will be able to uh, uh, continue to play well, even though he will be out for those three weeks. I'm assuming that um, they're adding a little bit of extra time just for precaution. It's early in the year. Um, you know, he's our second, the the Bucks' second best player. They don't need him rushing back, you know, in, you know, December. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a, a, a big blow, you know, being out three to three to four weeks. Um, I'm not overly concerned about it, um, but it is a little something, you know, that's, you know, it's jarring news. Um, it can impact the season. Um, if, you know, they don't, if they go kind of 500 here, um, come playoff time, you know, home court and seating and such. But I think with as many shooters and veterans they have on the team and with the former MVP Giannis, uh, and Coach Bud, I think they're going to be fine, especially since it's a regular season. But nonetheless, a big blow. So step aside a little bit from the injury. Friday night, uh, the Bucks had a four-game winning streak going into Friday night. Very tough place to play at Utah. Um, they were down big, fought back, lost by one uh, possession, 100-103. to And then a nice bounce-back win yesterday. Um, only winning by a bucket, uh, but... Like we always say on the show, a win's a win. You know, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many. So 121-119 victory uh, for the Bucks. Thunder kind of surprising this year. Uh, that loss moves them to 4-6, and six, but they've been playing some competitive basketball. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a nice victory for the Bucs. Don't, don't sell that victory short. Giannis, 35 points, 16 points, 3 assists. You know, another MVP-type uh, game. What, what did you like uh, from the game yesterday? Yeah, I think offensively, just continuing to execute the way they've done all year. Uh, Giannis doing Giannis-like things down low, uh, just really doing uh, great work, uh, just uh, navigating through the defense and uh, putting up nice baskets. Uh, Three ball working uh, again last night like we've seen so far uh, all year long. And like you mentioned, got to give credit to the Thunder, though. They are a very good young team. Acquiring Chris Paul uh, via the Russell Westbrook trade. And also they've got Nerlens Noel and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, two very good uh, young guys that'll help their their team a lot. And I'm going to interrupt real quick. Uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, he's on my fantasy team. And I, I picked him up just a week ago. I dropped a player, picked him up. He's done wonderful things for me. Um, so they, they have some nice young talent over there. Oh, well, there you go. In your case, you can't complain. Yeah. So, uh, but like you mentioned, even though, you know, you were expecting if you're the box to beat Oklahoma City, and they did, even though it was close, uh, a good quality win. And uh, through 10 games, seven and three, so not bad. Um, you know, they lost a couple games in there. Miami, you probably should have said that they should have beat. Boston, they let that one get away from them at the end. And then the unfortunate one, uh, Utah Friday night. But seven and three, you can't complain. Um, you know, looking pretty right now. And uh, again, even though Middleton's going to be out these next three weeks, they've got guys to step up. We've seen their bench do outstanding things. George Hill uh, really comes to mind. Uh, also, Kyle Korver 
and uh, Dante DiVincenzo also getting good quality minutes and playing time. So I think they're setting up, they're set up great for uh, certainly the rest of this year. And hopefully while Middleton's out to uh, continue to play well. Yeah. I really like um, coach Bud giving DiVincenzo some minutes um, the last week and a half or so. I've uh, been very impressed with him and it, and it allows uh, veterans like Kyle Korver and stuff to get rest um, when you're looking for them to produce for you in the playoffs more versus November, December. So it's nice to see uh, DiVincenzo playing well. So with that, it's time. The segment you've all been waiting for. Landon and Stu, head-to-head picks. Overall record for Landon. I'm sorry, I have to say it. You know, it's, it's what the script says. You don't have to say it. <laughs> it's in front of you. It's what the script says. So Landon's record, 4-7, and 1-2 and two last uh, week. Uh, two weeks ago, actually, uh, last time we did it, Adam filling in uh, for me last week, giving him an opportunity to run the show. And then my record, 7-3 and three overall, but I did not have the best week uh, a couple weeks ago. Like Landon, I went 1-2. and two. But if I just keep going the same record as Landon each week, I'm going to win because I'm on top. But obviously, we want to do better than 1-2. and two. So with that, we're going to dive into the picks. Mavs versus Celtics tonight. Celtics favored by 3.5. I picked this game, so I will go second. Landon, what do you like? Boy, this is tough. Uh, Dallas has had a great start to the year, 6-3 and three in the West. Uh, Boston, the best team in the East so far. Uh, for that reason, I'm going to take Boston. I like them at home. And uh, even though they had a huge blow losing Gordon Hayward this weekend to a fractured hand, uh, I still like uh, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys to step up. So I'm going to take Boston. Wrong. I'm taking Mavs. <laughs> plus three and a half. Shouldn't say wrong because we have no idea, but I'm taking the Mavs plus three and a half. Kristaps uh, Przingis, um, new addition for the Mavs. He's looked um, great. And then Luka Doncic, uh, he's looked phenomenal this year already. Um, and coming off of the phenomenal rookie season last year, big blow to the Celtics losing Gordon Hayward. I think the Celtics are good. I don't think they're the best team in the East. ESPN power rankings have them number 1 team in the NBA based off of what, you know, the few weeks into the season. That's a bun- bunch of hogwash. Yeah, they've looked good so far, but it's a long season. They're not the best team in the East. Give me the Mavs uh plus three and a half points. All right, so my game is the uh, Sunday game, or one of the Sunday games, I should say. A uh, very good ge- uh, game. The Houston Texans will be in Baltimore to take on the Ravens, and uh, I'm picking the over-under here. It's set at 49.5. I'm going to take the over in this game. Um, this may be the square sucker pick, take the over, but I'm taking the over. Lamar Jackson may be the front runner for MVP right now. Doesn't look like anybody can stop. If New England's defense can't stop uh, Lamar Jackson, the Texans defense sure as heck ain't going to stop Lamar Jackson, especially with the blow uh, to J.J. Watt not playing uh, anymore after his injury. They trade away Jadavion Clowney. They're having a little trouble putting pressure on the quarterback. Jackson's going to run all over that defense. And Deshaun Watson one of the most underrated players in the NFL. If you look at his stats compared to Patrick Mahomes since his start of last season, they're almost identical, and Watson actually has the edge in some of those categories, and he's doing it with far less weapons. Love Deshaun Watson. I like a lot of points in this game. Yeah, I do too, even though it's not going to help my record at all if I pick the same uh, way as you, but I do like the over as well, especially with Baltimore's offense looking unstoppable Lamar Jackson they put up 49 points against Cincinnati last or yesterday and Houston as well prolific offense so I'm going to take the over 
Monday Night Football, Seahawks, 49ers, 49ers minus six. Love Russell Wilson. My gut tells me to take the Seahawks plus six. My brain tells me to take 49ers minus six. I'm going to take the 49ers minus six at home. All right. I'm going to take Seahawks just to differ. All right. So those are the picks. Remember, stay tuned for the shuffle after this. And then 7 o'clock, we have tip-off for women's basketball. This has been the sports page here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh.